G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is such an amazing event that it has been described as the greatest story ever told. The Holy Spirit, in fact, inspired four different writers to tell the gospel. And each gospel writer begins his account of Jesus from a different place, because each one set out to portray a certain aspect of Jesus' life. Mark depicts him as the servant of the Lord. He's keen to demonstrate that he didn't come to be served, but to serve by giving his life a ransom for many. So he mentions nothing of the birth of Jesus, but begins at the commencement of his ministry. Matthew wants to show us that he is Israel's true king, and so goes back further, tracing his royal roots through the lineage of David and right back to Abraham. Luke, wanting to portray the humanity of Jesus, goes back further still, all the way back to Adam, the head of the human race. John, however, wishes to convey the deity of Christ, so he goes back even before time into eternity. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and the Word became flesh, and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. And thank you for joining us today for Set Free. It's Phil here along with author and teacher Ken Legg. A very special Christmas week. And in fact, this week we've been looking at the wonder of Christmas. And it's a really interesting insight that you brought just then, Ken, concerning the fact that uh, each of the gospel writers had different starting points. I've never thought about it that way because, as you say, each wanted to emphasize a specific or a unique part of his life and ministry. Yeah, and I'd like to pick up on Matthew's presentation of the gospel. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned, his purpose was to present Jesus as Israel's true king, the one that God promised centuries before. But actually, Phil, he had to overcome several hurdles and prejudices in order to convince those that he was addressing. Now, outwardly, there was very little that was regal or royal about Jesus' advent into the world. Uh, First of all, it's clear that he was born into a poor family. Mm -hmm. Mary rejoiced that God had looked upon her low estate. Uh, When Jesus was born, she and Joseph offered two turtle doves. Now, usually you offer up a lamb, but God made this provision. If you can't afford it for poor people, those at the low end of the socioeconomic scale, you can bring a couple of pigeons, you know, a couple of turtle doves. And then another thing is that Gabriel was sent to Nazareth of Galilee. Now, Nazareth was a poor and a despised town. You remember Nathaniel said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? There's a verse that says, he shall be called a Nazarene, which was actually a term of reproach. And then, of course, we read that there was no room found for them at the inn. So he was born in a stable. No doubt if he'd had money, that, or, you know, money can talk, and they yeah. would have found a room somewhere to stay. Yeah. yeah. Nazareth, not really the, the place where the Jews kind of expected their king to emerge from, was it? No, that's right. In fact, we're told by historians that it was a dirty little town occupying a, a remote corner of Galilee, and actually it was known to be fairly apathetic towards the things of God. I don't know if you remember, Jesus couldn't do any miracles there because of their unbelief. 
But the biggest problem that Matthew actually had to overcome was probably the fact that Jesus was born under the shadow of illegitimacy. I don't know if you remember, there was a time when the Jews said to him, they were arguing with him, and they said, we weren't born of fornication. Mm. And, you know, he grew up under this stigma. Yeah. We know who of, our father is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you were born out of wedlock. Yeah. And that stigma must have placed Joseph and Mary in a pretty shocking situation. You know, a lot of pressure at the time. Uh, they would have been the talk of the town, you know, everybody... Uh, uh, having a little bit of gossip about them and the focus of all the public eyes down the street. Yeah. And I think Matthew kind of shows us how Joseph dealt with that. Um, you know, I believe that he believed Mary. I mean, you know, okay, Mary comes along, I'm pregnant. Oh, really? You know? Mm. Yeah, and, and God is the father. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, let's try to, you know, look, <laughs> how would he have handled that? But actually, Phil, th- th- there were some people at that time that were really expecting the Messiah to come. And and they did believe that this was going to be him. Now, you know, for example, Elizabeth did. Uh, Simeon, we looked at Simeon earlier on. Uh, he did. So when Joseph received this account, and of course he received also a visitation from an angel, then he believed that as well. Now, before that happened, the Bible says this, that he being a just man considered maybe putting Mary away quietly. Mm. Now, if he believed that she had been unfaithful, she'd been immoral, you know, she'd slept with somebody else, the Bible would have said that he being a merciful man, he would have shown mercy. But it says being a just man, he believed it, but he was probably thinking, but who's going to believe us? And of course, that's when the angel appeared to him and, and, and told him that, you know, he, he does have a role in this, that he's meant mm. to be with her because he had the royal line through which Jesus was going to come. So how does Matthew go about dealing with that prejudice that they must have felt? Well, of course, they, you know, Jesus was brought up under this shadow of illegitimacy, but he does it by actually giving an account of the lineage of Joseph, which was, as I say, the royal line. Now, he mentions most of the male figures in that line, but now and again he drops in some of the women that were in that line, which is pretty unusual. So it's obvious that he does it for a reason. He specifically chooses certain women whose pedigree was questionable as far as the Messianic line was concerned. Four women in particular mentioned that you'd have to call into question their right to be in the Messiah's line. Okay, well, let's have a look at uh, who these women actually were. Okay, well, um, Tamar was the least well-known. Let's start with her. Um, Judah, who was one of the sons of Jacob, married a Canaanite woman, and through this woman she had three sons. Now, Tamar married the eldest, but he died, and so... It was the responsibility of the next son to marry her and raise up a seed. but Which was the law at the time. Wasn't yeah, it? that's right. But he knew that the heir wouldn't be his, so he spilled his seed on the ground, and God was so displeased with him that he slew him. So Tamar had to hang around for the youngest, and, and he was just a young kid. And so Judah says, you know, just hang around, be patient. When he's, when he's old enough, then he'll marry you. So in the process of time, Judah's wife died, okay? I know it gets pretty complicated. But he forgot his promise to Tamar. So Tamar dressed up as a prostitute, and Judah, not recognizing her, actually hired her services. And through that relationship, twins were born, one of which was in this royal messianic line. Mm. So that's a good start, isn't it? All right, the, the next one was Rahab. Now, we know that Rahab was called what? A harlot. Not only was she a Gentile, but she was a town prostitute. The third one we probably know better, and that was Bathsheba. Um, who David committed adultery David with? David committed yeah. adultery with her. You know, Bathsheba became pregnant in that relationship, and in desperation, then David resorted to sending Uriah into the front line of the battle. 
knowing that he would be slain. Uh, that child that came out of that relationship died, but then he married Bathsheba and Solomon was born from, from that relationship. And then the fourth one was Ruth, and again, she was a Gentile. So this was, the, you know, Matthew threw these ladies in to illustrate something about the character of this messianic royal line. Do you think he made his point? Is <laughs> <laughs> that an understatement? <laughs> I, I think he made his point very well. And what, what he does is, is two things. First of all, he says, hey, if you're looking for a Messiah who comes from a squeaky clean background, well, you're looking in the wrong place. You know, if you're, you're talking about Jesus being born under the so-called shadow of illegitimacy, mm. you just go back into the hereditary line of the well, Messiah. It's pretty scandalous, isn't it? Full of you know immorality and fornication and incest and prostitution and murder. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. So that's the first thing he says. But then the second thing he says is that, hey, whilst Joseph came from the royal line and married Mary, which made Jesus rightful heir to the title king of the Jews, Joseph was not his natural father. Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit, which means that not only was Jesus cut off from all that hereditary pollution, uh, you know, with all that scandal yeah. and immorality, yeah. but actually he was born without sin. You remember mm. the, the Holy Spirit overshadowed the womb of Mary, basically sanctified her body so that Jesus, who was born, would be born without sin. What an incredible thing. I mean, we look at the birth of Jesus, but when you consider all that God did in the preparation of his birth, it's absolutely amazing, Phil. Well, that brings us to the end of our series this week. Hope you can join us next week when we start a brand new one. Until then, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg and details about Ken's ministry, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.